I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Good evening and welcome to the Gallant Few uh, podcast. Um, my name is Jamie Royals. Uh, I'll be hosting uh, this episode today. Um, and you'll remember my name from the, the Premier League shows that we do. Um, the Premier League's obviously um, and pre-season just started now. So we thought we'd do a little show based on some of the transfers that are happening or have actually happened. Um, along with me today, you'll obviously know the, the usual suspects. Colin, how's things? I'm very well, Jamie. Um, thanks very much for having me on. Um, I, I love the the madness of close season Premier League. Mm-hmm. It, it does, you know, it does turn turn into WWE at times. You know, it's full of drama, but I do like it's the best time to watch Sky Sports News. I'd say. Good, and uh, we've got the ever faithful Graham. Graham was missing the last couple of episodes based on the fact that Bournemouth were winning, but for some reason. Get, uh, the manager's now sacked, so Graham's come back. Graham, how are we? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Happy, happy Sunday. Uh, Gary, Gary O'Neill, no more. <laughs> so you had a part of it? I mean, no, obviously, absolutely. The, <laughs> the owners are born with listen to this. Um, yeah, it was his time. He was always, he was always going to get it back. Come on, he's always going to get it back. <laughs> He did, he did have a poor couple of results at the end of the season, didn't he? But, uh, no, it's, it's a bit shady. It's a wee bit yeah. shady. I'll hold my hands up and say it's a wee bit shady, but that's football, do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's what that is. Players get sold, so why can't managers get sacked? Fair point. Um, as I said, we've done today's episode. We're doing today's episode just based on some of the media reports that are going around. Um, as Colin says, if you ever watch Sky Sports News, they've always got a breaking 
news going on every 10 minutes at the moment, even sitting here today, that um, sitting here this evening, there's, there's a couple that have already happened. Um, but um, we've got pre-season pretty much kicked off for most clubs on the 1st of July. So a lot of teams will be coming back to the, the training. Um, so we thought it'd be good to just kind of have a run through some of the big transfers. I can't go through all of them, obviously, but um, we thought we'd pull out some of the most the most ones that we'd probably talk about or looking forward to seeing. Um, Colin, I don't, I don't think we can start anywhere else, but obviously Arsenal. Arsenal went into the end of the season saying that they were going to spend all this money and um, they've kind of done that, haven't they? Uh, especially if we believe that the race deal's pretty much done. So far, they've got sworn in um, a Kai Habits, which kind of come out of nowhere, in my opinion, uh, for £65 million, and Declan Rice looks to be done for 105 which will be a record for a British player. And I think there's also talk of Julian Timber, a centre-back, coming in from Ajax. Um, any of these guys stand out to you? What's your thoughts on them? Well, first of all, on Arsenal in general, I think we all said last year, this summer will give an indicator of as to where Arsenal see them. And I think we all had a bit of a worry. What happens to the likes of Martinelli and Saka after this season? Whatever happens to do they move on? Do they move on to you know, a Bayern Munich, a Real Madrid, or whatever? Um, and I think they will felt that they'd be waiting to see where Arsenal see themselves. If Arsenal start going in for five, ten million pound players for here and there, for I don't know Norway or something, then it probably you probably wouldn't have, have the faith that their big guns would stay. I think Arsenal had to spend money to almost say, right, no, we are we don't want last season to be a one-off. We are in it for the fight here, and they've went and done that. Um, I know you and I were chatting um, through the week about Havertz. I do see the sense in that. I, I think we can maybe look at how much money they spent on Kai Havertz, um, definitely. But in terms of that position where the argument is they've already got players in that position, but I think Arsenal struggled with depth last year. I know Graham's not a big fan of Trossard at all, but he did make uh, uh, the point time and time again that mm-hmm. you know, when these players, there's such a big drop-off between the bench and the first 11. So somebody like Havertz coming in that position, creating new competition, either Havertz has got to be better than what you have or the rest of the players need to up their game. With the other two as well, and I know they're not confirmed yet, but I like Arsenal, they're, they're building a bit of a spine here. Then they're adding more depth into um, the centre-back area, Timber, he's, I think he won the Dutch player a year, two years ago, and we all know Declan Rice, he's, he's going to be a big player for years to come. So he's, they're very much sorting out their spine in their team. Would it surprise you based on, I know obviously we, the Kai Abbott's and I know we both come out from different points, 330 grand a week sounds a lot. Sounds a lot for a player that scored only seven goals last season. Yes, that's when I'm almost going to contradict myself here. I see the sense in going for somebody like Kai Havertz. I think the, the footballing angle makes sense. The financial angle is uh, it's a bit much. It's a bit much. And top of what, £60 million that they paid, I don't mm-hmm. think he merits that. But again, I think that's the way football's going. Uh, yeah. the, the, the Saudi uh, league's popping up with a bit more... Competition for players that are going, I don't know if we'll come to that, uh, maybe once we get to Man City, but I think we're going to see Premier Premier League clubs up in the ante way, the wages. Fair enough. Graham, just on obviously Arsenal themselves, there was a lot of talk about the you know the players that they needed to make sure they got that push, you know, to kind of have another challenge. Does Kai Havertz, Declan Rice and Julian Timber represent that or do you think they still need more? I think one of my biggest bugbears with Arsenal was um, when you look at their, their signings in January when 
want to push towards the title, I think I, I probably made it clear that I didn't think that Giorgino and Trossard were two players that were going to come in, walk straight into the 11 and mm-hmm. kind of make, make them that much better to kind of affirm themselves for winning the title. I think two players in Havertz and Rice are going to immediately go into the starting 11 and are better than what they have currently. I think Timber is going to add more depth, certainly, to, to the back line. I'm not sure if if he goes straight into that, but it's certainly more depth. Um, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, Havertz, I think, has had a bit of a rough time at Chelsea. The guy is not a striker. He is not mm. a number nine, as he was played with predominantly probably last season, certainly with Chelsea. Having seen him in the flesh, certainly when, when we played, when we were up against him uh, a couple of years ago before he went to Chelsea, the guy is a sensational player. I think if Arsenal can... If Arsenal can get the best out of them, then wow. I still think they could do with a real out-and-out goal scorer. Um, Mm -hmm. I really like Gabriel Jesus, but I think that um, they could still do with a bit of depth up there. Other than that, I mean, yeah, I think as Colin just said about strengthening the spine of their squad, that's exactly what they're doing. And as I've said, more importantly, they're bringing in at least two players that make their starting 11 better, which is what you want. So well and good strengthening your depth, getting better players in, replacing the ones going out. But unless you're strengthening your starting eleven, then it's hard to kind of take that next step forward. So that's what they're doing, and I think they're two really good signings. Obviously, with Rice, people talk about the transfer fee. Listen, our players only worth what you're willing to pay for them. Um, yeah, is it excessive for all us looking and um, looking from the outside in? Absolutely, no question. But that's the Premier League financial bubble at its best. Mm-hmm. Um, if Arsenal are going to pay it, they're willing to pay it, then good on them. But they're making a good signing. Fair enough. I would agree. I, I think Havertz definitely adds depth. I wouldn't say he was an out and out. I don't think he's the key to you know, getting them that title. I think Rice massively improves them. The only one concern I would have is that some of the reports that government in the background. So I think Saliba's signed, signing a new contract, which is what they want. Uh, is moving on and Party's moving on, apparently. Or well, Party, they're struggling to move, maybe move on. So they would normally start in the starting 11. So if Rice was to get injured, then back to that depth question again, aren't they? That's probably just the only thing I would be worried about is you are improving the 11, but are you from a squad depth, it's probably not great. So again, I think they probably need a few more people. Yeah, I think, I think I'd spoke out as well last season when I'd mentioned, you know, that when they're pushing for goals and they're bringing on guys like Reese Nelson, etc. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> that's where that's where their issue comes from. I do think we'll see more from someone like Emil Smith Rowe next season. I think he's been unlucky with injuries, but he's certainly a very good young player, a really promising mm-hmm. talent. I think they will look to use him more next season. Um, but look, yeah, definitely, I think that kind of midfield area is one that maybe a couple more. And a real out-and-out striker, I think, uh, would would really um, make them look good for, for next season and, and, and challenge them for a title against an unbelievable Man City team. Good. Um, the next team I want to call out is Aston Villa. Aston Villa haven't done much business at the moment, but if you believe the reports, they're, they're, they're getting some pretty sweet signings on. Um, they, they've already confirmed that they've picked up Yuri Telemans on excuse me, on a free. Um, I'm quite a big fan of Yuri Tillmans and I think he'll do well in the Aston Villa midfield. The one that does surprise me, but 
you can obviously tell. I think, Graeme, you said it last season, is that the pull of their manager will probably do them more benefit than than anything else. And I think they're just about to sign um, the, the centre-back, Pau Torres, who's been widely regarded as one of Europe's top centre-backs for the last two or three years. Um, and I know a lot of teams have struggled to get him out of Spain, but it looks as though he's signing for Aston Villa for a nice £33 million deal. That, that screams awesome deal for me. Um, Graham, what's your thoughts on that? Because I know, obviously, you've been very vocal about Unai Emery. Yeah, listen, I think uh, no one will disagree that the job he's done is incredible mm-hmm. since you know it, it, it came in, taking over for Steven Gerrard, whatever they were from the time he took over to then maybe the fifth top five or top six mm-hmm. teams, whatever it was. Paul Torres is a class sign. I mean, 37 mm-hmm. million euros, five and a half million of them are or um, add-ons, I think. That is an unbelievable yeah. bargain. I think by the end of this season, we'll be talking about that as kind of, he's one of the signs of the summer. Um, he's fast along the ground as well. He's a really good player. I think that's an excellent signing. And added that to getting Yuri Telemans in a free. I mean, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been surprised if you'd seen Telemans go to one of the, the big four teams, really. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could see one of the big four teams maybe going from whether that was tad depth. Obviously Aston Villa, I think he'll be a he'll be a starting starting player. But yeah. um they are really again strengthening the spine of your team is important. And if I, I spoke about it there with Arsenal, if you're signing players that are going to go in and improve your starting eleven, that's even more important. I think when you look at Unai Emery and his his uh, history and European competition I would imagine that Aston Villa have got to be one of the favourites for the Conference League next season as well, um, with his prowess in Europe. And as I say, the, the signings he's making are excellent. So it's going to be really interesting to see who else they sign to kind of tie up their squad for next season. But they're certainly going to be very difficult to beat both in the league and in Europe. Yeah. Colin, um, people forget about this player because obviously he injured himself and, and I think it was like a pre-season right before the season kicked off. Um, and Aston Villa sent it back to Diego Carlos. They spent big money on him, bring him in Sevilla. The thought of him and Pau Torres next to each other, like that, that, that screams pretty decent back line. And I know Ming's kind of come into himself a little bit at the end of the season there, but that's pretty decent, you know what I think? Cliche alert, but um, aye, this boy coming back from injury has got to be like a new signing himself. <laughs> um, and I and I think I do think Emery will get the, get more out of him than, than what Gerard would have went. And you know, I think the likes of Dyer and Mings and that coming into a game that's that's just an added bonus for. Again, we're going to talk a lot about depth mm-hmm. um, in this podcast, but I think the best way to add depth is adding what's better than just starting the and I think it's better to go in, add add more quality to what's already there and then the players who were your first choice picks last year, you know, they become your backup or they need to up their game. I think once you start looking at players to fill fill up a number on the bench, that's all they really do. So I think this is a great signing uh, with Pau Torres and the, the Blue Cross are coming back. Um it's sorry, Carlos coming back. I, I think they will be your main two to the half next season. And again, I, I see Aston Villa really kicking up again. I think when Aston Villa signed Stephen Gerrard as a the manager, there was this kind of forty-five year ambition of where how they get themselves in a European contention. And I think we're going to we're starting to see that really build. And I, I think they will see themselves as serious contenders for um, a top six finish this year um, with the manager and the. 
um, in the squad they've got. On on to Lemons, um, just to circle back to that, I am shocked at just what Graham said that Arsenal didn't go for him. So mm-hmm. we know Rice has got to come in as the main man in the midfield. But if Partey's grown, Tillman's is a great option to have. And mm-hmm. I think he'd suit Arsenal style of play there. I've, so him going into Aston Villa, I, I think he really adds something different to what they've got in the midfield. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing, like I'd imagine most games, him and McGinn will play alongside each other. Both would complement each other. If you think about McGinn, it's that kind of blood and thunder type player. And then, Tillman's is just a finesse, the the mm. stylish midfielder coming next to him. Um, I'm looking forward to um, to Villa next season. McGinn just signed a new contract as well, didn't he? I think he just signed a new Aye. contract. Keep him there a few more years. The one that the one that I do like the look of, um, and he, he's actually since Gerard brought him through, he's actually just been getting better and better. He's also playing in the England Under Twenty One tournament right now. Jacob Ramsey, like he is, he's proper quality when you look at how he how he plays box to box isn't afraid of having a shot. Um, it'd be interesting to see how that team develops, as I said, especially with people like your Telemans and stuff coming in because they will they will improve that squad. Um, okay, I'll move on to the next one. I want to call this one, it's probably not big signings, but it's probably more about people they're losing and what they're replacing with. You know, a lot of people's second team last season was Brighton, you know, how well they played. Um, Brighton are... Brighton have already lost one of their players, one of their big players in McAllister. They look to be losing potentially Casado. Um, there's talk Chelsea have already agreed terms with him, but they haven't made an official bid as yet. Um, but the the transfers they've got coming in, so they confirmed James Milner's come in on a free, but they brought in another player. Excuse me, who I'm really I'm really a fan of um, on a free as well, Dahoud. This lad was it. He's played at I think it was Leverkusen and Dortmund. Um, and there's not much talk of them bringing many other people in because there's this there's this line of uh, there's this line that they've already done their shopping and the people that they've got on the sidelines are actually going to be promoted to the first team and actually fill in these spaces. Do we think that's wise, or do we think you know should they be building on the success that they had last year? Graham? Obviously, they were as I said they they had a lot of success in the way that they played. Do they play? Can they play like that again after losing so so key two key players? The thing is, this is Brighton. You go back the last few years and all they do is lose key players and key personnel and they always continue to succeed and, and probably overachieve. So I guess there's, there's that question of why upset the apple cart and maybe do things differently. Right now, OK, Dahoud for Dortmund, he's got a hell of a lot of experience in the Bundesliga and he'll be a, a good player. Obviously, it's going to be hard to replace Saicedo anyway. He's their best player. However, saying that, They've got James Milner coming in, who's unbelievably experienced. Still, mm-hmm. I, I still, I just think he's still got a lot to offer. To be honest, I, I don't think you would have heard a lot of Liverpool fans grumbling if he'd maybe stayed, maybe just one more year or something. I think he's. I, think he's I don't think it was any Liverpool fans that wanted him out. I think it was more to yeah. do with the length of contract he wanted. I think yep. he wanted a contract that offered more, and I think Liverpool probably just they had bigger things to to fight when it came to midfield predicaments, shall we say? Yeah, absolutely. And listen, uh, when when you look at James Milner, the guy is your typical. I mean, it's a position he can't play in the park as well. So he offers so much cover experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as you say, this uh, Dahoud coming for Dortmund. I think. Look, I wouldn't have thought this will be it though. And I, I know they've said that. Mm-hmm. I, th- I still think you might find they they'll maybe splurge and, and buy a player for a, a bit of money maybe later in the window. So I wouldn't say this is it completely over for them, but they have done their shopping, as you've said. Look, they're in a stable. 
in a stable position. They've got the manager they want. They're playing extremely good football. Long may it continue. And they've still got a couple of great players. I think that, you know, people probably would pick up if they could. You know, we have the Matoma um, and Estupinian, arguably two of the players of the season, you know, when you pick an 11, um, and, you know, a best 11 from last season. But they're very strong in their opinion that they can, they're quite happy letting two players go per season. If you cast your mind back to last season, Colin, I think it was, um, it was Ramsdale and the midfielder that went to Tottenham, wasn't it? Um, no. And then the season before that, it was um, Ben White, which was like fifty odd million pounds. So, so they definitely maximise the money coming in, don't they? They do. And in terms of the business model, they've got it down to a T. And they really have, and with the coaches that they've had, um, also Potter and then Deserbe, um, they've they've really put a focus on coaches who can come in and get the best out of their current squad and who can take players up another level. I. I did say towards the end of last season, I think they need to change their approach for this summer because it's the first time they've got European football and every league in the world, um, anytime somebody, whether it be the Champions League, Europe League or the Conference League, everybody tends to underestimate the the impact that this extra 8 to 10 games can have, particularly. Yeah. yeah, this Thursday night game in that, you know, that it's an extra 90 minutes of football, it's an extra couple of days travelling and... See time, time again. But regardless of the league, whether it's Hearts for the SPFL or some, you know, um, I think we've seen uh, West Ham last year as well, um, and, and Spurs the year before, Leicester the year before. They do struggle to adapt to it. Um, so I think Brighton are maybe got to shoot themselves in the foot, and I, I, I hope they don't because I, I hope they don't fall into the trap of underestimating it, then having to go and spend big in January, then they panic mm-hmm. pie in January, don't get the value for money. But I do think they need to spend a bit more money. Um, it's uh, I don't think they can really rely on having the same amount of players make the step up because you probably need a, an extra two or three players to make the step up. I do think that's maybe why James Milner's been signed more for the... Uh, you know, the non-tangible side of the game, like having a, a experienced leader who helps the young players settle or helps players raise their game a wee bit, but I don't think it'll be enough. I think they need to spend money. Okay. They, they do have, I mean, they do have plenty of experienced players that have played in Europe as well, which I do think will, will obviously help. I think with Brighton, though, they will continue to focus on the Premier League more. I think, obviously, great... Um, Getting a running Europe or performing well, but I think very much for Brighton, it'll be all the focus in the Premier League and, and continue to try and improve and, and see what they can do in the Premier League. Um, but they've got plenty of players with European experience, It'll be interesting yeah. to watch them. I think, see, just on that, I think we're going to, um, it's maybe a podcast in itself, um, but with the <laughs> Club World Cup, um changing the format and the onus is on the coefficient rather than the um rather than yeah who wins the league. I yeah. think we're gonna see more teams take the Europa League and the conference league a bit more seriously with how much money will be pumped into this Club World Cup and yeah. Brighton, I think they should be keeping that in mind. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing um, the young lad up front, Evan Ferguson. You know the the, the Irish lad. He's 
so young, he's so natural when it comes to the box. He just didn't stay away from injuries. And I think the thing for me is Brighton got so many goals across the whole of their middle park last season. It's whether or not they can still do that. Because if they don't, then it's all down to the striker. Going into a season and a European, European competition with Danny Welbeck and Evan Ferguson, as you'd mean too, possibly need another one there, don't you? Another two to, to fill that out. Graham, did you look to you were going to say something there? No, just in Colin's point about the Club World Cup, obviously right. any of the teams in the big five leagues, if they're in the conference or the Europa, um, they are not going to be going to the Club World Cup. And gets one one nation per uh, one nation per uh, country, uh, other than if one of your country winners or the Champions League or something like that. So there'll be two English clubs. I but if you if you look at it, it goes in the coefficient points. So in theory, you could get more coefficient points over a few years from the Conference League to Europa League because you get the same amount of points for one win in the Champions League and one win in the Conference League. Uh, no, no, you don't. Do you not? Am I talking no, fish? No, you're <laughs> talking we'll edit this, we'll edit this uh, bit out then and we'll go back to yeah. the transfers. Um, yeah, it's definitely lessened as it, it goes down. Um, for sure. I'm not, is it 2025 that kicks in, that tournament? Yeah. Yeah, so that's fine. So we've got we've got plenty of plenty of dissecting to do before that even comes into play. Uh, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> right. Um, arguably, the transfer story of uh, the window so far is uh, Chelsea. Um, you know, I think we all agreed that them going into the window um, due to financial fair play, balancing the books, they were going to not potentially struggle to get players out, but possibly struggle to get nominal fees for these players. But lo and behold, some Saudis just waved his magic wand and all of a sudden he's not only paying a premium for these players, he's actually giving them like a 400% pay increase. Kind of all come at the right time for them a little bit, Graham, isn't it? Yeah, it's convenient, that. Very convenient. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot, I, I don't know. There's... Red tape, shall we say? <laughs> I don't know what's going on just now with all the Saudi money and whatnot, hmm. but um, look for Chelsea, a massive clear out was needed. Obviously, we'd, we'd heard all these crazy stories like guys getting changed in the, the tunnels <laughs> no. and, and the Janney closets. I, like, I don't know what they were, where they were getting changed, but obviously needed this massive clear out. Look, they, they spent a, a mental amount of money in January. Um, and yeah, I think... I think it was over two hundred million that they've they've now sold. I'm not including Zayek in that because obviously he's failed that another medical after failing a medical to go to PSG. He's now he's now failed that medical um, to go to Saudi Arabia. So I'm not really totally sure what's going on with him. But um, as good as it is to see players coming in, Jacka Banks, Chelsea fans will be pretty relieved to see this clear out because of the talk because of the amount of players that they've got in their squad um, and the amount of wages. I did read that um, under Bowley they are looking to more incentivise rather than pay huge wages. So, like, uh, your Mudrick, for example, is not he's not even on 100k. Um, so, like, I think they're looking at a potential newish wage structure and a lot of these players that are looking to get out are, are going to be some of their biggest earners. So, um, yeah, much needed. Not just to balance the books, to, but to balance the, the dressing room as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how their squad takes shape and, and what Pochettino does with it as well. Colin, I think we'd need a separate pod to list all the players that are potentially going or have already left Chelsea. Um, but we can probably focus on the two biggest ones at the moment. Excuse me. 
So Mason Mount was obviously potentially going to Manchester. Excuse me, going to Manchester United because they refused to pay the wage that he was asking for, and the talk on the on the on the wire, if you like, was that he was looking for three hundred grand a week, and Chelsea refused to do it. However, on the last day, apparently they did offer him the three hundred grand a week contract, and he turned him down and went, "No, it's too late now." So there is still some sort of a scattergun approach to that, surely. Um, they've also got um, the the probably. The, Arguably one of the best signings I think they've made in a couple of seasons as the lad coming in, Chris and Cuckoo. Um, this guy's exciting, Champions League pedigree. Yeah, I don't I don't think I ever see him play a bad game. No, I think Cuckoo will I dread to say it because how many times over the last twenty five years have we seen players of top European pedigree go to Chelsea and just absolutely bomb? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with um, with a hint of anxiety, I will say I think Kuku will do very well for Chelsea. Um, I think I think he's a Pochettino type of player. I think he's very coachable. He's a very rounded, intelligent footballer. Um, and you know, he's we've seen him. You know, more notable against Rangers as well. He, he does. He is a player. Um, and I think if we can. If we can get a wee bit of stability at, at Chelsea, guys like Nkunku will come in and hit the ground running. But I think, I think that's the big thing. We just copy and paste anything anything we've spoken about Chelsea over the last six months mm-hmm. and just put in this pod. Basket case, too much going on. Scattergun, as you said there. We just need a bit of stability. And, you know, for Chelsea's sake, moving on, players for the old guard have been there for a couple of years, like some Mason Mount, who... You know, I, I think there's a lot of talent at Chelsea and I think they can afford to lose some of it and just really get the best out of the talent that remains. Um, Mason Mount, I think it'll be good for him as well to get out of that kind of basket case. Um, Man United's probably a bit more stable than now, so um, uh, probably a win-win there for everybody, I'd say. Graham, see you on, see you on the Nkuku one just before you... So my only question with that would be, is he not just another Raheem Sterling who's only just signed for them last season? Plays the same role, plays the same position. If he is being played in that position, then they still need a striker game, don't they? I wouldn't see. I wouldn't. I compared him to really? Sterling, to be honest. Off the left no, wing. Yeah, I just. Um, I feel like he can. He can be very. He could be very central. To be honest, it, it just depends the way you're playing. Like um, when we saw him play against Rangers, one of those. One of those guys kind of got your. Uh, your your heart and your mouth when he gets the ball. Mm. Oh, what's he going to do? Like we saw, we saw what he did with half a chance at Ibrooks um, in the semi final. Uh, buried it. Really yeah. good goal, to be fair. Uh, dagger through the heart, mind you, but it was a great goal. Mm-hmm. I think he will be a success. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just it's quite amazing to to see. I mean, RB Leipzig have been absolutely stripped of every asset um, this summer, so. Um, just on them, actually, just off topic, just uh, you'll be wanting them put to the Champions League if you get there because I mean, they've quite literally lost all their best players in Kunku. Um, your boy is going to Liverpool and um, Joseph Gardiel as well going to, going to say. So, I mean, amazing to see their assets being stripped um, so readily, but yeah, I think they'll all be a success just looking at just having seen a lot of these players firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, through support Rangers, I think that I, th- I really think they'll, they'll be a success in the Premier League. 
So on the so some of the names that we know of so far that have that are leaving Chelsea. So you've got Mendy, the goalkeeper, Koulibaly, Mount, Aspilicueta, Ziyech is on his way out, Lukaku's still on his way out, Kovacevic signed for Man City. How many more do you think that they're actually going to get rid of? Or how much how many more would you expect to see move out? I think the I think the ones you've just mentioned, they I mean they were I mean you're talking about Mendy for one. I mean mm-hmm. they had two goalies there that were probably two of the most expensive goalies in the history of the game, right? Both mm-hmm. bought by Chelsea, what with about hundred and seventy million pounds worth of goalie but between him and um uh, thingy. Uh, What's his face? Uh Ariz Arid Oh, Kepa. Kepa. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know why I couldn't get one his name out there and two why I was attempting his actual, his actual second name. Um, so between those two, like no surprise to see Mendy going. I can only imagine the wage that really season. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how much they're getting for him. I, look in terms of the rest of the outgoings, I'm not sure. I think there's some players there that just aren't good enough. Like Conor mm-hmm. Gallagher for one. Um, I would expect him to maybe a, a kind of low this- league. There's talk, there's talk he's going to be used as a potential make-weight in the Brighton discussions because um, obviously Brighton are potentially wanting... I think they've, they, there was a quote I've seen if, if Rice is 105 million, Casado is in the same bracket for them. So the talk is, is that Chelsea will potentially offer... Because it's the centre-back they've got as well, isn't it? Levi Colwell that Brighton have already had an offer turned down for. So there's potential that they're going to... that Gallagher and Levi Colwell as part of a deal to get Casado out. Which probably makes the same same a business. I seen something that kind of chocolate. It was it was the opening team for Chelsea last season, um, and of the of the starting eleven, there's only four of them actually still at the club: Mendy, Silva, Koulibaly, Aspilicueta, Reese James, Kante, Jorginho, Chilwell, Sterling, Havertz, and Mount with the with the starting team. From that, you've got Chilwell, Sterling, James, and Silva are the only four players still at the club. That's mad. I don't think I could. I, if you think about all the Premier League teams and the, to take that much of a drastic change, I'm not saying they didn't need it, but I can't remember that much of a big change in one in one season, if you like. But uh, Colin, the big the big news is well, the big rumour, shall we say, is that um, potentially Chelsea are going to go in for Kane in the last minute to try and force through this uh, potential ninety million, hundred million deal. That that's a big sign in that, and that's a big statement if they pull that one off. It is, it really is, um, and I think in terms of, the, I'm not usually a fan of the business that Chelsea do, but I do I do see the sense in this, because um, mm-hmm. they do need a, a prolific striker, um, so they just uh, sign an attacking midfield and consistently playing them up front. Harry Kane would absolutely add so much to the Chelsea squad in terms of a completely different type of player um, high quality as well and I think he, he probably helps you the best at least in Gungu and you know, Mudrik and Sterling or whoever else um, but I don't see Tottenham budging um, I, I still you think he'll hold it? I think he will hold out, aye, and I think Daniel Levy, and we'll probably come here, I think mm-hmm. the pressure is on him for Ange to work out, because I think regardless of what we think north of the border, there is that, there is that south of the border, you know, snobbery around anybody that comes to Scotland, whether it be a player or a manager, and the Tottenham fans are notably on, on his back about it, and I don't think there's very many really been confidence with Ange Postecoglou um, 
probably a bit premature if I'm being honest. So I don't think Daniel Levy will put himself in the firing line by getting ready to the prize asset. Fair enough. Um, okay. Um, as I said, we could probably do a podcast on Chelsea alone with the amount of innings and outs that they've got going on in this window. Um, so, as Graham alluded, the Liverpool have obviously just um, been in the news all day today because they've announced their second signing of the summer. Um, so, Colin, so they they released five players um, in the, at the end of the season. Uh, sorry, six players at the end of the season, um, and they've so far secured two signings. Um, they brought in Alexis McAllister um, for a reported thirty-five million um, uh, from Brighton, and they've just announced today um, they've just picked up Sobersly from um, Leipzig. Um, who I'm not going to lie, I'm very excited to see this lad. He's, he's been brilliant any time I've watched him. Hungarian captain. Do you know much about him? Have you seen him much, or um, are you looking more to Alexis McAllister being probably the star for them so far? Only really, um, only really in Rangers, um, run to Seville, seen a bit. Mm-hmm. Of, um, so, why um, I'm glad you said it first because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew the name, but I'm the fact you say that. <laughs> um, you know, and I know there's been a, a fair bit of chat around them in, in Germany, and yeah. back to back to Graham's point, um, Leipzig is absolutely getting ripped apart by now. Um, I think he will be a, a great, great signing. Um, mm-hmm. I, for what I see, and I think. Because he's very much a he's as very much a clock type player, you know. He can play centrally, maybe play out wide as well. Um, can go either way for a central position, but yep. um, you know, he's looking at the transfer mark. He's over. He's he's got more than twenty games in over six positions over the last two or three years, uh, which is brilliant. Um, so I think that's Klopp does like a, a utility player if you like. Um, I'm excited to see how Alexis McAllister gets on at Liverpool. Uh, he, for me, he's a big one, um, and it's probably because I've, I don't, I've not seen Sobislai as as close as I have McAllister. But I really like Alexis McAllister, and mm-hmm. you know, as much as I would like to have seen how he done it Brighton in Europe, um, I think, I think this is a good step up for him. Um, it's a big, big step up, but I do think he is capable. Again, he, he can. He, arguably play anywhere across the front line, um, I think in that pocket, but he'll do very, very well. What I'm surprised, however, is Liverpool, they've went for, you know, probably two of the more flared attacking players, first and foremost, where I think they probably need a wee bit of stability and a wee bit of, need to solidify their midfield a wee bit more. So I'd like to think they'd maybe go and do that next, but I think it's a very good start to the transfer window. Graham, and obviously, I kid Colin touched on it there that you know let Liverpool let go of quite a lot of their midfield um, in terms of Naby Keita, James Milner, and and so forth. Does it surprise you that they have brought in who they brought in, or are these the kind of players that they should be bringing in? Bearing in mind they've already still got Fabinho, they've got the young lad that played really well last season, Biatic, Thiago, obviously once he's fit, and Jordan Henderson are all still there. Uh, no, it doesn't surprise me at all, to be honest. And I know um, Liverpool, they're also linked with El Avia from Southampton mm-hmm. as well. I think he's been linked with a string, of, um, string of the bigger clubs. So, um, no, doesn't surprise me at all. I think from midfield to the forward uh, line, Liverpool became a wee bit stale last season, which was mm-hmm. uh, a big problem for them. I think they're bringing in young, fresh talent. Uh, I think... Trent is going to be like a new player. Um, where he's getting played now for Liverpool and for England probably just adds a completely different dimension um, to, to his game and, and for Liverpool. So, 
Uh, I think they're buying the right players. I think they're freshening things up. I think they're adding more competition. Um, I think it'll I think it'll be um, good all round for for Liverpool to be honest. And you just mentioned Olivia there. I'm literally just checking my feed, and apparently, um, breaking news from some of the reporters that Southampton rejected a thirty point thirty one million bid for Lavia from Liverpool within the last three hours. So, um, Liverpool obviously looking to try and get their business done. If that is the case, um, the another lad that they've been really keen on is Kepiem Taram. Um, Lillian Trams boy, he's over at playing in the France under 21 team at the moment. Um, and I think it's probably one of them too, either Lavia or Taram, that actually probably come in for, as the remaining spot. I would anticipate it's still to bring in another defender at the beginning of the window. There was a lot of talk about Benjamin Pavard. I'd be all over that like a rash. I think he's a brilliant player. And it, as Colin said, it, sorry, as you said, it frees up Trent a little bit. I just don't know whether that's the kind of player they're going to bring in another centre-back. Um, but striker-wise, yeah, I think the, the, the attacking forward, the attacking options are pretty much nailed on. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. I'm not as butthurt about missing out on Bellingham anymore, if I'm honest. Um, I thought Bellingham would have been the absolute dynamic player for us. But if you think about the money that he just, he just went to Madrid for, We've obviously brought in two players for that, that that transfer fee, so I can't really argue with it. Um, on Bellingham, obviously that was a big signing out of the Premier League. Um, sorry, not out of the Premier, but you know, turning down the Premier League. Do you think he'll do well over in, in Madrid, Graham? Oh, absolutely. Listen, the the, the age he is, he'll be there. I think he'll be there for most yeah. of the rest of his career. I mean, listen. With all due, if, in my in my personal opinion, Real Madrid are the best and, and biggest club in the world. I think the minute they get involved in any transfer, I don't think you can blame anyone for that's that's the club they want to go to. So, mm-hmm. um, I think the minute Real Madrid got involved, that's probably where he was set. I don't think you really need much discussion to be sold on Real Madrid. There isn't a football player that doesn't know about Real Madrid, the history they have, and just the pool. Um, I think he'll be there for at least the next decade, and he'll be an unbelievable success. Um, and, I mean, he's going to be there, and he's going to be learning from somebody like Luka Modric, etc., playing next to him. Um, I don't know if this will be his last season or whatnot. So, look, um, he'll, he'll do well. He will absolutely do well. And the fact that the age he is, is just frightening, <laughs> to be honest. Mad to um, think he's 19 years old, and he's got... <laughs> It's not. It's not even. It's not even the games under his belt. It's the experience of the, those kind of games that he's got under his belt. But nineteen years old, it's just frightening. Um, you know, even Gerard and I always, always compare him to Gerard. But Gerard didn't have that kind of level of experience at that age. Do you know what I mean? Like, I he's, think, he's I think he'll go. On. I think he will go on to probably be seen as England's greatest ever player. I'll be honest. I, I don't know how many caps it's realistically learned and stuff, but I think I just. Think a guy, there's no limit to how far he can go and what mm-hmm. he can achieve in the game. The ceiling is very high. Really looking forward to see how he develops. Colin, just a touch on Bellingham. Um, any thoughts from you? It's, it's very hard not to get overhyped and excited about him. And 
you know, I, I can't really add anything else that you boys have mm-hmm. said. I think he is going to be a generational talent. What I do really like is his attitude. I mean, it's I don't know if I'm maybe being unfair. It maybe the likes of Mbappe or anything, but you do see young players come through, and there is that air of I think you need an air of arrogance to some degree, but very much realizing and demanding you're the main man. Jude Bellingham isn't like yeah, he does very much do his talking on the pitch, and I think it takes a a certain type of personality to go to Real Madrid and no get sucked mm-hmm. in with a Galactico. I think he will just go and, and play his football and you know, I think the fans will endear him there. Yeah, twenty years old and I'm not surprised again, just as Graham said, Real Madrid will trump it. Um Real Madrid and Barcelona will pretty much trump um Ninety-nine percent of clubs, ninety-nine percent of the time, um, unless there is a allegiance. Um, I don't really know if he if he'll quite go there for the rest of his career. Um, I, I think he will be there for like four or five years. I think he will end up in England at some point. Um, um again, he's he's playing abroad for um, say he's there at Real Madrid for four years. He's been abroad for most of his adult life. I think he will see him in England, but I think um. Even in a few years' time, he will have his pick here a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I think we're going to see big kinds for Bellingham. I've got to say, 19 years old, the money he's already going for. If you do envisage him going to England, we're talking about his peak years. Three, I mean, 310 grand is on it, Madrid. Aye. Yeah. I think the biggest compliment I can give him. That point. The biggest compliment I can give him is that he was the Borussia Dortmund captain at 19 years old. Like, there's not many players you can say like that. You know, it's, it's, it's a, and as you said, it kind of goes back to having that that arrogance, that swagger, that that you know um, confidence that he has. Um, I think Bellingham Rose is it. So disappointed he didn't come to the Premier League, but I totally get it. Um, as you, I think as Graham said, when when Madrid come knocking, then it is what it is, isn't it? Um, Colin, that'll bring us on to our next one. So. Um, one of the one of the one of the big teams that we obviously expected a lot to happen, um, but it hasn't happened as yet. It's probably more about people going out. Is Manchester City? Obviously, they won the treble. Um, they they they've lost their their captain Gundogan, who's signed for Barcelona. Um, there's talk that Bernardo Silva is going to be going um, for apparently 400 grand a week over in Saudi Arabia, um, and apparently uh, Riyad Mahrez, excuse me, is apparently talking to a team as well. Are they missing a trick here um, in terms of players that they should be going out and getting? Or, I mean, what kind of players do we envisage they potentially should be bringing in? I'm not as worried about Man City. Um, I'll, I'll be honest in terms of the business that they do because it's it's been the it's been the same anecdote over the last three four years where, you know, when we talk about depth in the Premier League, a lot of players, a lot of teams struggle to go past the uh, one to fourteen players. Man City yeah. could field um field two separate teams and probably win the league. <laughs> yeah. Or at least be challenging in the top four. Um so they have that depth. Um I think they are I think they're biding their time. I, I don't think even with Gundogan uh Bernardo Silva and Mares going, I don't think that really scrappers them for the start of the season. Um so I don't think there's really that mad dash to get folk in up and running by the you know the first of august so mm-hmm. i think they will bide their time and see what happens in the market because it's very easy to you know almost play your play your hand too early play your chips i find they'll wait and see because they've got the spending power they can outspend the majority of clubs in the world um i think it's very guardiola to you know 
analyse it and think about it. Um, what I would say is, it's you know, I said at the start, I'm probably worried about what this Saudi league um, mm-hmm. will start to bring over the next 34 years. Will it end up like the PGA? Um, what hand with that? The split? Um, I thought you meant they were going to start hitting sticks and stuff. I'm like, well, no, I can't do that in football. <laughs> well, you never know, mate. You never know, mate. Make it a wee bit more interesting. Um, mm-hmm. These non-each games uh, that we see in the <laughs> mid-table of Premier League, I might add a bit of spice, but um, yeah, it, it sounds daft. I thought Grundelwan was a fucking unreal last season like if you start to finish and it'd be a big big loss but if there's any team that can afford to lose them and still get by it's Man City well they've brought in Kovacevic in there, but he's not a like for like replacement but they have brought an experience Graham does it surprise you considering last season they went out and made a statement and you know they brought Holland in and the whole window was about how, how Holland was going to do have you surprised they haven't done something similar based on the fact that they knew they were losing people this window no, no, not really. Um, you know what Colin's saying? They're already set. I think it's never bad to freshen things up after a, a treble winning season. Look, yeah, they're winning these top players. Eight winning, they're losing these top players. Um, they have brought in a, a couple of decent players already. As I say, Guardiola is an excellent young player. Uh, He's still to be player. confirmed that one, isn't he? I think it's talk that he's, think it's talk he'll have to break. They'll have to break the defender record for that one, won't they? I'm pretty sure it's done. Uh, I usually go with your man Fabriano uh, <laughs> on Twitter. And I'm pretty sure he's. I don't know if he's given it the old uh, "Here we go" yet, but uh, he's not. He's not giving it the "Here we go" yet. Is he not? Is he not? No, not, um, not yet. So it looks like, yeah, as you're saying, it would make him the most expensive defender in history. Probably again, well worth it, and it's all about mm-hmm. like, if, if you're willing to pay that for something, you think they're going to improve your team exponentially. And listen, absolutely. Um, I do think like, that, yeah, they're big losses, but as Colin says, they'll get by, and it depends who they bring in. The sky's the limit. Who's not going to yeah. want to move to Man City just now um, after last season and the team they have? So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I kind of feel sorry for Maris. I'm a big fan of him. I think he's brilliant. I think he could do a turn for 90% of the Premier League teams. Um, so, But from Man City's point, it just means Foden gets more game time, doesn't it? So he's obviously the next generational talent for them. So so for their point, I can understand it. But yeah, disappointed that Maris is going to potentially the Saudi League. Um, okay, that'll bring us across the, across the other side of Manchester then. So... Um, Manchester United, who apparently were going to have the the summer of all summers um, and get the you know the transfers of all transfers, it's been awfully quiet, hasn't it? Um, they've uh, all but confirmed Mason Mount. Um, I think they've just got to agree on a deal struct- a structure for the deal. Um, but, uh, but arguably the biggest biggest noise has been around um, the goalkeeper David de Gea's uh, proposed. Uh, reversal of contract. Um, did you hear this story? What did you make of it, Kim? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would only heard it for you, to be honest. Uh, the, the reversal, look, if it's true, yeah, obviously it's a strange one. Um, I know he was, he was offered a new contract at kind of heavily reduced wages. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what kind of numbers. I think well, he was on three hundred and seventy-five apparently, so it was heavily reduced from that. Yeah, three hundred and seventy-five wow. grand for a goalkeeper they've been paying. Um, wow. So apparently so, yeah. the story goes: the story goes is that he accepted the reduced wages. However, Manchester United have actually regained on the contract and have thrown it out and said we want to reduce it even further. The one thing that we don't know is whether De Gea's had that contract for a month now and he's only just signed it. And, I've, and then that month they decided to go a different avenue, or whether they offered it last week and they pulled it the day after. That's the bit. That's the key bit of information. I, don't, I think we don't know. Listen, I think, I think it's it's more than likely they have looked at the situation as a whole, and they've kind of thought, are we getting good value out of this, or mm-hmm. could we get value elsewhere? They've been linked to Nana. Um, I was going to come on to him, yeah. <laughs> um, and they might go, well, what what we what will take us to buy him and pay him. Um, are we really getting that good value offering De Gea a new contract for X? De Gea's been there long enough. I don't know if anyone's yeah. seen it on social media. Someone's made like... One hour 47 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One hour 47 movie. I, essentially of all, all the bad saves he's done. Do you know what I mean? He's been there what, over yeah. a decade now, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's time for him to move on. I think it'd be good for his career, actually, to reignite it. And for Manu to go out and get a, a new goalie, I think. Yeah, Mount... I think Mount is an interest man. Me personally, yeah. when I see um, Tottenham signing Ma- Madison, I know get into that and signing Madison for forty million. I think that is an absolute bargain. And then when you see Man U going to sign Mount from Chelsea for sixty million, three hundred and twenty k a week, I do feel like yeah. they're being a bit robbed in a way. And I don't know. It's not. It's not how I thought Man Man U would go about their transfer business. I do think there's also that part of. There's some players in their squad that may be looking to move out for money, whether that's Maguire, McTominay, etc. Players that they could get a decent mm-hmm. enough bit of cash from, free up some wages, and then go and replace um, with better quality players. I don't know. Uh, it's just, as you've said, it's quiet. But look at his early days. This is what yeah. set first, second July, whatever we are. The window's just open, so I'm sure there'll be plenty to come from. I've seen that meme the other day that we're doing the trends and it was uh, Harry Maguire refreshing his phone waiting for Fabio Romano to say Saudis are putting a bid for him. <laughs> um, Colin, see, Colin yeah, Graham obviously kind of alluded to what, what Manchester United apparently are doing in the process and that's trying to bring in the Inter Milan goalkeeper, Andrea Nana. Um, if they're obviously changing goalkeeper, then that's obviously a good option for them. However, they reported 90 million fee. Sounds crazy considering that they've still got to go out and buy a striker, doesn't it? It does, it does. Um, I, I, I think I don't know, 
I think it is always uh, the extreme comparisons. What do you see is more important? A goalkeeper mm-hmm. or a striker? Good strikers can win you games. Great goalkeepers can win you leagues. Um, and I do believe in that. And I do think, I, I think in the modern game you now as well, where the traditional number nine and number ten, it's not a big guy, you know, a wee guy up front anymore. The game's different. Or there's, mm-hmm. you know, we see fullbacks join the attack. And I, I do think, uh, man, you, they, they are playing, they are playing in a style where, they aren't relying on an out and out prolific number nine. Um, I think they are looking to, you know, get goals for all areas of the pitch. Um, the wide men midfield, and I think Mason Mount going in, it's just another option with that alongside the likes of, you know, Rashford had a, a great season mm. last year. You've got Anthony Martial, you've got Sancho, Sancho. who I, I do really like. So I think the keeper would be a bigger priority. And if you're going to spend more money, um, if you if you get the same level of service for Vinana as you do De Gea, what how long has he been at Man U? Ten years, ninety millions, you know. So still, and I, I really, I really do rate um, the boy Nana as well. What is he? Early, early to mid twenties too. Um, probably approaching the peak of his career. Um, good bit of business, and I think, I think it probably is something that Man U do need. And I think David De Gea, him moving on, it'll be just another bit. But a refreshing change in Man U. I think that's been a big thing for them over the last two or three years. Um, to I guess stability and the the management and structure of the club, but also weeding out all the kind of the old guard for the for mm-hmm. the less successful period. You know, like Pogba. Um, no, I'm not saying that he has been as toxic, but he's a big character, and I think it it will suit Man U to move him on. Um, but they do need an elite level goalkeeper, and that's probably what you pay for elite level goalkeepers. I always remember. Do you not remember when there was that big drama with with De Gea when he was in the middle of changing back to Atletico Madrid or was it Real Madrid? But the the fax machine didn't work at the eleventh hour, so he ended up staying at Man U anyway. So it it shouldn't be a surprise that he's ultimately end up going to end up going, shall we say? Um, but it just surprises me that they've been paying a that much money for a goalkeeper. B, they're potentially going to break the record for a goalkeeper. And the whole way through last season, they were calling about a striker, number nine, someone to play off, because Valtwerkost obviously wasn't that one. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. I do believe they've still got a lot of people to shift on, though. Uh, there's talk Fred's going, potentially McTominay. Um, Maguire's already been called out. Um, you've already got um, Wan-Bissaka, who's potentially... There's so many options that they've got. But whether that funds a striker, I don't know. Um, I think it's, I think you'd be half worried if you were a Man U fan, but all at the same time, you just want to know what the plan is because there's there's a sale still go, this potential sale still going through, isn't there? Um, the the next team just call it is uh, Newcastle. Now I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm mega surprised. I thought Newcastle would have hit the transfer market, you know, head on, bringing in not necessarily breaking the records for all people, but bringing in people that improve their squad they've 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 brought in they brought in one player at the moment um which is a transfer record for them i think it was 65 million for sandro tonali um from ac milan which i'm not gonna lie kind of came out of nowhere um have you seen much of this guy graham i've seen a few i've seen him a few times but i didn't think he was 65 million i can't say i've i can't say i know bundles about mm-hmm. them other than maybe the odd game last season um, that that I'd seen him uh, Champions League can't, uh, in the Champions League. Yeah, uh, I can't say I'm um, totally wired into this area week in week out, unfortunately. But in terms of what you've mentioned about their spending, 
I think it I think it was made clear actually just before the season ended that they weren't going to go in some sort of crazy spending spree this summer and that how was I say only um but only going to get between seventy five and a hundred million. So I'm not shocked that that this this might be it, or maybe it'll be one more player and they're heavily just focusing on again improving that starting eleven um rather than just splurging for the sake of it. I think so far other than uh, other than Anthony Gordon I think their signings have been really astute, really good. We've spent their money well, and they're not just flinging at anyone. So, yeah, no reason to, uh, no reason to think this won't be a really successful signing for them so far. And maybe, as I say, maybe we'll see them sign one more. The the one red flag I had with it was that, well, from what if you read the reports, Tenali didn't want to move at all. He was forced out by M- M- Milan because they needed uh, the money. Apparently, he cried in front of the team when he was told that he was being he was being sold to be brought over to. I don't. I, I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, how many Italians actually succeed in the Premier League, Premier League to spend 65 million on a player that potentially didn't want to come? And as you said, if you're going to get 100 million as your potential window, you've just split 65 of that on. Somebody who realistically might not want to have come. No, it's obviously could be complete bullshit, but it's more than one source that's been since this kind of reported up. Listen, there's there's always things like that. I don't think it's necessarily bullshit. Um, sometimes a player. I, I remember, um, right now, if you've not listened to the podcast, the Emiliano Sala story about um, obviously his plane went down on the way to Cardiff, etc. It's a really interesting one. And, and part of that story was he didn't actually really want to leave Nons. Um, he wanted to sign a new contract, but they needed the money, so they sold him and he went. And look, obviously, you can't force somebody to sign a contract. They might not necessarily want it. They might not necessarily want to leave the club they're at, but it happens. And I don't think arm binds your back, force sign a contract <laughs> for hundreds of thousand pounds a week at an English <laughs> Premier League club or whatever. Um, so yeah, maybe strange one and, and I know from Pat um, listening to loads of ex-managers, players, etc. that have played in the North England. It's always, they've always said, look, it's hard for these clubs to actually attract some of the biggest yeah. players because they just don't want to live in the North England. It's not London. Um, they don't want to live there, so maybe is that a factor for some of the players Newcastle can can attract? Who knows? I don't know. But um, yeah, we'll see how the boy performs. It, yeah. it can be hard settling in anyway. And yeah, you, I guess if you're Newcastle, you've just got hope that you know he hits the ground running. To be fair, they did. There was a report saying that there was they were in for Sobersly as well, but he opted to go to Liverpool. So. It, I'd, 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 I'd envisage the, the, the all being active. Colin, if I would told you at the end of last season that Newcastle would finish in the top four, qualify for the Champions League, going to go into this summer to re to reignite their squad and potentially going to go to the Bernabeu in a Champions League match with Jacob with the likes of Jacob Murphy, do you think that's what anybody would have guessed that, or do you think anybody would have been more realistic, or did we all just envisage Aaron Bappies and stuff coming through? I find the I find the answer probably is somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I'm surprised we've not heard more from him. Um, I'm not I'm not surprised if no went mental. I, mm-hmm. I think we 
with the first first couple of months of this takeover, they made it very clear that this isn't we're going to, we're not going to try go to go for mid table Premier League to Champions League winners in one season or two seasons. It's going to be a gradual process, and I think um, I think we all really compared it to what was hammed at Man City, where it was it wasn't very much like Chelsea trying by where we no foresight and. You know, it's just time by for that season. There's a better forward thinking going ahead at Newcastle and as a journey. Having said that, I do think they needed to to add real quality and a couple of probably marquee um, signings. Um, I don't really know if Tenali is. Um, I mean, I, I didn't think they struggled too much in the middle of the park. Um, coming in, bringing him in, adding a midfield general, I don't really think that was their biggest priority, if I'm being honest. Um, so... I would have thought they would have had a, a couple of, you know, rumours in a wee bit more earlier, but um, I still think they will add a couple, and it won't be dozens of players. I think they'll maybe spend big on another one or two players, maybe around the 50, 60 million mark, with the view of them being there for the next four to five years at least. There was talk, I, I, I think it'd be a really good signing for them, but there was talk that obviously if City pick, do pick up Gvadiol, then Laporte was potentially going to be an option, uh, you know, for somebody. And I think, um, you know, that, that, that'd that be a, that'd be a good coup for somebody like uh, Newcastle. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what their model is going into the next season, um, whether they stick with, sort of, you know, your Joel Linton's been in your first 11 and so forth. But uh, it's still early. Transfer window still a few more, you know. We've still got a few more weeks until the season actually starts. Um, bring you on to the next team now. So you guys touched on it. Um, arguably the biggest sign of the summer so far is Ange Postecoglou going into uh, Tottenham. Now, allegiances aside, um, is that going to be a good signing for them? Do you, do you think he'll get the time? I said that 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 would be one of the biggest issues that he wouldn't get the time, to be honest. Uh, However, saying that, the fact uh, Daniel Levy's given him a four-year contract, you've got to imagine that regardless of how the start goes, whether he hits a ground run or whether it's a rocky start, whether it's obviously about whether the fans are patient enough, but I think Levy's definitely going to plan to give him it. He's not giving him a four-year contract. I think that's very unusual for Tottenham to hand out that sort of length of contract to a manager. So, from a board point of view, yes. Did the fans give him the time? We'll see. Um, well, half of the fans already, have already made the mind up, haven't they? Yes. Um, absolutely. Look, I think a lot of them were pretty disappointed with him. Um, obviously, uh, somebody coming from Scotland's never great. Um, mm-hmm. So, look, yeah, I think I do actually think he'll do quite well if he's given the time. I think Madison is a ridiculously good signing for that amount mm-hmm. of money when we're talking about English Premier League. I see their signing Manos uh, Salomon as well. There's a lot of clubs after him, yep. uh, after his performances at uh, Fulham. So they're building an interesting squad. Um, we'll see what they have. I guess it's, it's just all about Kane. I, I do think Kane's going to stay, you know, for, for at least one more mm-hmm. season. Give it a roll of dice with one more new manager and then go for there. I, I think that I think the English Premier League goal record is is a, that is a big stain power now. It's got to be that is that is etching your name into the history of the game um, rather than moving to a Bayern Munich to win a, a few trophies. Look, winning trophies is what it's all about. But you can win you can win the double or treble in Germany all you want for two or three years. However. 
I personally do don't see it as that big of an accolade. See, winning the golden boot or the, the top, the top goals. I, I just don't, I don't I get don't, why that's so I lucrative. Thought, I don't because, get it. But look how long, look how long she. I think when you're that close to it, why would she was got the title though? She was got the Premier League title. Your name is at the top of that list for X mm-hmm. number of years. It's always going to be there. You're not going to be budged until the next superstar comes along. That is a big goal tally mm-hmm. um, to overtake somebody like Alan Shearer. <sighs> Look, it's a difficult one. I think in an ideal yeah. world, he'd stay in England and move to a man you're at Chelsea, win some trophies and get over that 260 goal marking. When you're that close to it and you can taste it, I think it's I think it's a big lure for him. The Bayern Munich ones are is a strange one because I think we talked in the chat that Bayern Munich don't normally pay the kind of fees that potentially is going to take to get Harry Kane out of Tottenham. Um, the report is, is that you know if if in order for Daniel Levy to maybe look outside of the UK as a sale, you're probably talking about ninety million pound. For anybody inside the UK, you're talking over a hundred million is probably what they've been reporting. And I, I I don't really disagree with that. I think that's pretty fair. If he's going to go abroad, you know, a Bayern Munich sounds about right. Come to you know, free free talent. I'd rather win a treble at Bayern Munich. I, 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 I don't know. I just don't see this this goal scoring tally as being lucrative as, as potentially as some people do. Um, I think Harry Redknapp let the tri- let, let it out the back of the day as well. Though he said something like um, that Harry Kane's apparently got a, a new family home being built in London right now. So why would you go abroad if you've got that and you've got a new baby on the way? It sounds very much he is going to stay in the UK. Look, it does depend. I don't know. I just think I'm not here to debate with our other trophies or a goal, whatever right or a goal record. Look, it is all about winning trophies, absolutely. But when you're that close to that record and he'll be England's top leading goal scorer as well. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're that, that is that is a big that is a big deal. That is a big deal. Those are things okay. that your name is etched there forever. You know, if if he were to until somebody beats to, it. No, but if he so if he if he moved if he moved to Real Madrid or Barcelona and was there for one or two seasons and won five six trophies, right? That's great. That's great for his personal goal haul. But Harry Kane's name then isn't etched in the history of the game in England or Spain, is it? I think it's this longevity. It's having this legacy, and having that will give him a legacy. At this Colin, age, I can see you win. jumping at the bits here. Go, Colin. Go, let's hear it. Go. <laughs> I've said time and time again that Harry Kane's greatest ever triumph will be question, the answer to question number four in the sporting round of the Gallant Fuse <laughs> summer quiz um, in years to come once he retires. I get it's no mean feat in what he's done. Absolutely unbelievable, but he said it time and time again, football's about winning trophies and his name will be in the record books until somebody else overtakes it. <laughs> if he wins a medal, nobody can ever take it away from him. Um, and it's, aye, it's, a, it's a shame um, because I think a player of his talent deserves a countless number of medals. It really does. Um, I don't want to, I, I probably sound harsh when I speak about him. Um, I, I think he has a talent that, you know, he does deserve Trophy after trophy, um, but I do agree with Graham. I think that's regardless of my thoughts on it or your thoughts on it, that's what's keeping them there. Um, not to, to call it all about Kane, but they, they obviously have confirmed a few tra- signings themselves. So, as Graham confirmed, the, the Madison's obviously been sworn in. Um, they've uh, made, excuse me, the loan. Um, they took up the two loans that they had, which was Kulisevsky 
and Pedro Porro. So those deals were always going to happen. I do believe the Madison deal got across the line though because the there was something about Harry Winks going the opposite direction for a different fee was probably a bit of a sweetener. Um, but there's, there's still more to go out there, isn't there? From Tottenham, there's still more to come in, surely. Aye, I think... Um... I, I think any new manager comes into a job or any team like Tottenham um, with certain assurances of what type of spending power they're, they're going to have. And I, I, I think I think Corvo, he, he will be... If we look at what he's done to Celtic, what he's done elsewhere in this year, he does, he does build for the front and work his way back. He's a very... He likes aggressive attacking football. Um, and, you know, taking, taking my Rangers hat off here, like, he is a good coach. There's no getting away for that. I think he will do well down there. Um, I, I do. Again, whether or not he gets the time, that's a different subject. We've seen how how shambolic Celtic looked at the start of last season, or the season before, sorry, and how they turned it around. Um, so he does need that time to embed his own style. Um, but I think there will be a lot of business done with, done with Tottenham. I'll ask you a question. Go on, I'll ask you a question. Just to, just see on, do you, you don't have to name a name, but do you think they come back to Celtic and take anybody? No, I don't. I don't think um, if he'd maybe meant went to a, I don't know, a Wolves or something. Maybe it's it's because we're we're at that top top end, and regardless if we think they should be there or not, or they see them, Tottenham see themselves as a top four Champions League club. The snobbery right? kicking in. The snobbery, and I think they will be looking at a higher end edge of player. Um, okay. So I don't think there's somebody in Scotland that does that consistently enough to to head there straight away. Graham, would you that? I think they will. I think he will. Yeah. Okay. I think. Uh, I, I I I think they, I think he will. However, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't something in his clause to say he couldn't shop at Celtic for a season or something. Um, Nah, again. None of that. I mean, he was on a rolling contract at Celtic, so essentially, I, I don't think there was much say from Celtic's end, to be honest. Whether they, I don't know what if he got compensation or whatever, but I would uh, there will certainly not be any clauses there. If yeah, he doesn't test from... what player do you hate, Carter Vickers? Oh, I wasn't going to put him on the fit on nah. the spot, but go on then. Nah. <laughs> no, I think I think if I think if didn't Boston Carter Vickers come was... from didn't he come from Tottenham? Yeah, I think I just don't see that. Um, I think if he was to go back and look to take anyone, you're looking at Kyogo or um, you give Cal McGregor a last roll of the dice and I go at the Premier League. Um, that's two players from a post point of view. Yeah, I'm not here to discuss who's good enough or not for, for Premier good. League yeah. or if they're going into the first 11 or their squad players. But I think if those were two players that he would want to take, that that's maybe it, but like we see all the time, managers yeah. go and they don't necessarily go back and take players, especially as, as you've said. You know, Tottenham are Tottenham are trying to get into the top four. So when they're spending cash on, you know, they've just spent forty million euros in Pedro Pollo, they've just spent forty million quid on Madison, etc. Mm-hmm. It's maybe unlikely they'll go back to Celtic, but th- those would be the two I would think you would maybe look at. That's fair enough. It was just a, a general thought, that, you know, whether whether because obviously it's went a bit quiet. It's just whether or not that that would probably ramp up a little bit, considering that they are losing somebody to Saudi Arabia real soon. 
what I was going to say is just about uh, young man's son um, gaining a year on age, obviously. <laughs> it's, it's, it's <laughs> is, to be is he not a year I mean, younger? Is he not a year younger? Exactly, he's gained, a, he's gained a year back. So, like, <laughs> Daniel so Levy's stupid. got that. Can I imagine when he's office doing one of those kind of anchor man things, you know, where he's jumped up <laughs> and, like, pumping the air, like, um, because the, the value an extra year brings for somebody <laughs> at son's class is probably, like, 20 million or something like I, that. I tell that to son's he's still, he'll still be the right fucking age. So, un, yeah, un, unbelievable, that logic. You know, anyone with a South Korean player is just delighted by the value probably increasing with that, that extra year they've got. So, Fantastic. Yeah, um, I, we'll, we'll scale down the league a little bit, um, just purely for the fact that we've obviously spoke about Declan Rice, which means that, you know, um, West Ham are going to be in the money a little bit. Now, the talk is, is that the reason why the deal hasn't been signed and sealed yet is because West Ham want a generous amount of cash up front. They don't want it uh, as Klarna payments over the next seven years. You know, they want it within, I think they want the full transfer fee paid within the next 18 months, which means that they can go out and potentially pick up transfers themselves. Do you see them spending a lot of it? Do you see players coming in? What, what kind of what kind of shopping are they going to do considering they've, you know, they won um, a European trophy and they've, they, you know, they're battling out again. What, what's your thoughts on that game? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think they'll reinvest. The thing with West Ham is um, I read something about um, Chelsea's long list of fails when it's, they're talking about strikers. When I think of failures um, transfers for strikers, I always go back to West Ham. They always seem to just have this long list of players that they look to, to purchase and it doesn't seem to work out. The most recent one obviously being Skimaka, who's not who I actually thought, okay, he's hit the ground, he, he scored a, a few goals. I know he got hit with an injury, etc. But I, I'm a wee bit surprised. I don't think he was that much of a fail, but I guess what do I know? So it looks like he's maybe going to Roma. I'm not sure on the price. I've not actually looked at that, but obviously with Rice going, you're not getting, you're not, it looks like it's like an 80 million to 90 million what they want, more kind of close to up front with the rest add-ons. So but that sort of hard cash, absolutely reinvest. They're going into the, the Europa League next season. They didn't have the best season in, in the Premier League. So I think David Moyes has probably been sat down as well until in no uncertain terms they can't be in some sort of relegation scale, mm-hmm. I'll call it, because they kind of got out of the battle, maybe certainly in the last quarter of the season. So I just think they'll, they'll have expectations of at least pushing to the to kind of that mid-table this season and a fairly decent show in the Europa League. So, yeah, I fancy them maybe spending that in three or four decent decent players. But as always, for me, they, they just need to get it right up front. Yeah, Colin, it was it was funny. You'll like this because it just, I think you were really, one of these kind of stories come out and it was... Um, there was a football phone in and it was West Ham fans after the final, it was probably about two weeks after the final, they were saying, is David Moyes the man to go into next season? And 90% of the fans were going, well, let's give him a couple of games in the next season to see how he starts. And you go, hang on, you're going to sell Declan Rice. You're going to allow David Moyes to help buy a hundred million pound worth of players, but you're going to give him a couple of days, you know, a couple of games just to kind of see himself in. Is he going to get the time? I think the European trophy will absolutely give him a wee bit more time. And I think, yeah, I think, like most clubs, I think the, the pressure for the fans always outweighs the pressure for the board because mm-hmm. the, the fans ultimately put pressure on the board. And um, I don't know, I think with we, we Moyes, like, 
I think Moyes standing in the game is still tarnished for, for Man U and his first spell at West Ham as well. And I think it's probably a bit unfair. And I think he struggles to shake that. He's the... You know, his his career as a manager probably does deserve a wee bit better. And if it was MDLs that just had the season they had last season or the last two seasons, we are probably saying, "Oh no, he gets I absolutely gets all the time in the world." But because that is David Moyes, I think that's where the hesitancy comes for the fans. So, um, I don't know. I don't think he will get the time, and I don't think that is quite right. I think there will be pressure on him. Um, so he he does need to get it right. He does have to get it right early on. What what I was going to say is as well. Look, I think it's worth just keeping a wee eye on West Ham in the Europa League this season again, anyway. Because when you look at really in the cold light of day, um, if you look at the, the gulf in quality between the Conference League and the Europa League, it is not it is not huge. It's not like the yeah. drop between the Champions League and the Europa League, right? Which is a huge gulf. The the difference between the Conference and the Europa isn't. Mental at all. It's the Champions League drop off into it. It's the Champions League yeah, team at, dropping into yeah. it. That's about the only difference. Absolutely. So I think West Ham could have a fair, decent enough run. Like you saw Roma eh, win the Conference League and then go all the way to the, to the Europa, eh, eh, deep in the Europa League as well. Um, obviously, they've got Mourinho. I'm not comparing Mourinho and Moyes. I'm just saying that, you know, the quality of squad that they got to the, the Conference League then gets to the the Europa League uh, the next the next season final so um, I think keep a wee eye on them in Europe I think they might have a wee deep ish run next season but again for me and getting to what Colin's saying it, it's all about the Premier League they've got to be more yeah. mid table ish and a good run in Europe that I think that's what Moyes has been told if if after the first kind of quarter of the season they're kind of 15 16 I think, unfortunately for him I think it could probably be curtains. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, the the last thing I wanted to touch on um, is probably just more, we are on the 2nd of July, so um, a lot of contracts pretty much terminated at the beginning of yesterday morning. So there's still some big names out there that if they've not already went to Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Um, De Gea is obviously one we've already talked about. Um, so there's still a possibility that he stays at Manchester United. We don't know yet. But Zaha is a free agent. Jesse Lingard's a free agent. Yeri Mina is a free agent. Adama Traore, uh, Luca Moira, Willian from Fulham. That was a surprising one. I didn't realise he was a free agent. Um, do you see any of these moving to, around within the Premier League? Do you think, so for example, like I see Lingard going to America. I think Lingard's been angling for an American deal for quite a while. Um, but Zaha's probably the probably the best talented one out of a lot of them. What's your thoughts on that game? Um, and yeah, interesting. I think yeah, Lingard no no to the Premier League. Absolutely not. I think he's just maybe. He's running his race there, so yeah, he, he goes, yeah, just it, it won't be the Premier League. Zaha has an interesting one now. He's it's a weird one. I don't think it can be all about the money for him. I think he wants to actually win some trophies and, mm-hmm. and play a high level of football. I think he's probably still a bit resentful about how it worked out. Man, knew he's a lot better than kind of what he showed there and how that didn't work out. It's an interesting one. I don't know. I said last season it would be good to see him at an Arsenal um, if they're looking to build more squad depth. Um, and we always talk at Arsenal their squad depth. If they are willing to, if they are willing to chuck a hundred and fifty to two hundred a week at him for free, then I mean, go for it. That's that's what I say. But I would, I think he might end up at one of the kind of top seven 
Premier League clubs that are in playing in Europe this season. So I wouldn't really have any of those just with that kind of lure for him to play in that. I don't see him at one of the big four, though. I don't actually see him go to an Arsenal. So, so you're probably talking like a like a Newcastle or something then, maybe? Maybe, maybe, maybe a Newcastle. Maybe Villa. Mm-hmm. Somebody like, I think, the team Villa are looking to build and, and what they're trying to achieve. I think Zaha would be an unbelievable sign for them, so yeah. My, my thoughts were actually Newcastle or, or Spurs. Um, I think Spurs have shot themselves in the foot with no adding a decent enough backup for Harry Kane there the last few years. Um, maybe I'm being a bit unfair. Are you talking about they, brought, they went out and brought Richardson? What are you talking about? The irony. I, I was really excited when Richardson signed for Spurs as well. I thought they would have done great, but I don't know. I, I think um, regardless of that top seven, I don't think he really walks in and he's the main man, but I think he's... I think he is looking for a bit of swan song and maybe Tati I get a chance at winning a couple of trophies as Graham said. So I, I think um Newcastle or Spurs we better run in Europe. Um and, and I think they would add a it would add a different option to, to both of their clubs. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with Adama Traore. He's somebody that's always had great potential and never really, never really lived up to the hype. You know, even he went back to Barcelona a couple of seasons ago, didn't really do it. Um, he's very one-trick pony, but he's very, very direct in what he in what he does do. Do you see him staying on, around in the Premier League at all? I think I, I don't know if he if he'll move up. Um, to be honest, I, I think he is and. Um, I, I think he has had his chances, but I don't think he quite has a, the same stock as what maybe Alvaro Fazaha has. Also, they're two completely different type of players. But I thought Wills is probably his level. So if he does, it's maybe somebody, you know, maybe like a Crystal Palace or a Fulham, even a Brentford or a Brighton. Um, I, I think he, he might stay in the Premier League, but I don't see him getting a, a big jump up to you know, like a Newcastle or a Spurs as we're saying about Zaha. Cool. Well, as I said, they were just some of the free agents that, that um, I would have had Bobby Firmino on that list, but he's already signed for one of the Saudi Arabian teams. Um, so sad to see him go, but you know, for the money he's getting, it's pretty, you know, it's not hard to hard to justify why he wouldn't. So I think they're talking the best part of four hundred grand a week for these kind of players going over there. Um, but um, yeah, so. Appreciate guys getting together just to talk about some of the transfers that we have seen, all the ones that we're talking about. I do believe that I think I made a prediction at the beginning of the window that um, I do believe Chelsea might break the transfer record again for, for an English Premier League game. So I think we're not far away from that, and the Casino one might actually topple that one over for us. Um, but I think uh, some big teams that we've already talked about still have a lot to do, um, including my own team, Liverpool. Um, but uh, yeah, what we'll probably do is try and get another another show in a couple of weeks' time, uh, just before obviously I think the season kicks off around about the second week of August, and we've got a few things that we're talking about that we want to try and bring into the next season, um, a bit of fun, um, and obviously something that's in support of um, the gallant few uh, subscribers as well. Um, but Colin, listen, I really appreciate you kind of taking up some of your time this Sunday, um, just to kind of uh, chat these things through. Um, and Graham, same same back for you as well. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see you both in a couple of weeks' time.